of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham. Chapter 30, Segment 1 Philip was restless and dissatisfied. Hayward's poetic allusions troubled his imagination, and his soul yearned for romance. At least that was how he put it to himself. And it happened that an incident was taking place in Frau Erland's house which increased Philip's preoccupation with the matter of sex. Two or three times on his walks among the hills, he had met Fräulein Cassili wandering by herself. He had passed her with a bow, and a few yards further on had seen the Chinaman. He thought nothing of it, but one evening on his way home, when night had already fallen, he passed two people walking very close together. Hearing his footstep, they separated quickly, and though he could not see well in the darkness, he was almost certain they were Cassili and Herr Sung. Their rapid movement apart suggested they had been walking arm in arm. Philip was puzzled and surprised. He had never paid much attention to Fräulein Cassili. She was a plain girl with a square face and blunt features. She could not have been more than sixteen, since she still wore her fair hair in a plait. That evening at supper he looked at her curiously, and though of late she had talked little at meals, she addressed him. "'Where did you go for a walk today, Herr Carey?' she asked. "'Oh, I walked up towards Konigstuhl.' "'I didn't go out,' she volunteered. "'I had a headache.' The Chinaman, who sat next to her, turned round. "'I'm so sorry,' he said. "'I hope it's better now.' Fräulein Cassili was evidently uneasy, for she spoke again to Philip. "'Did you meet any people on the way?' Philip could not help reddening when he told a downright lie. No, I don't think I saw a living soul. He fancied that a look of relief passed across her eyes. End of segment one. Chapter 30, segment two. Soon, however... There could be no doubt that there was something between the pair, and the other people in the Frau Professor's house saw them lurking in dark places. The elderly ladies who sat at the head of the table began to discuss what was now a scandal. The Frau Professor was angry and harassed. She had done her best to see nothing. The winter was at hand, and it was not as easy a matter then as in the summer to keep her house full. Herr Sung was a good customer. He had two rooms on the ground floor, and he drank a bottle of Moselle at each meal. The Frau Professor charged him three marks a bottle and made a good profit. None of her other guests drank wine, and some of them did not even drink beer. Neither did she wish to lose Fräulein Cassili, whose parents were in business in South America and paid well for the Frau Professor's motherly care. And she knew that if she wrote to the girl's uncle, who lived in Berlin, he would immediately take her away. The Frau Professor contented herself with giving them both severe looks at table and, though she dared not be rude to the Chinaman, got a certain satisfaction out of the incivility to Cassili. But the three elderly ladies were not content. Two were widows, and one, a Dutch woman, was a spinster of masculine appearance. They paid the smallest possible sum for their pension and gave a good deal of trouble, but they were permanent and therefore had to be put up with. They went to the Frau Professor and said that something must be done. 
It was disgraceful, and the house was ceasing to be respectable. The Frau Professor tried obstinacy, anger, tears, but the three old ladies routed her, and with a sudden assumption of virtuous indignation, she said that she would put a stop to the whole thing. After luncheon, she took Cassili into her bedroom and began to talk very seriously to her. But to her amazement, the girl adopted a brazen attitude. She proposed to go about as she liked, and if she chose to walk with the Chinaman, she could not see it was anybody's business but her own. The Frau Professor threatened to write to her uncle. Then Uncle Heinrich will put me in a family in Berlin for the winter, and that will be much nicer for me. And Herr Sung will come to Berlin too. The Frau Professor began to cry. The tears rolled down her coarse red fat cheeks, and Cassili laughed at her. That will mean three empty rooms all through the winter, she said. Then Frau Professor tried another plan. End of segment two. Chapter 30, Segment 3 She appealed to Fräulein Cassili's better nature. She was kind, sensible, tolerant. She treated her no longer as a child, but as a grown woman. She said that it wouldn't be so dreadful, but a Chinaman, with his yellow skin and flat nose, and his little pig's eyes, that's what made it so horrible. It filled one with disgust to think of it. Bitte, bitte, said Cassili with a rapid intake of breath. I won't listen to anything against him. But it's not serious, gasped Frau Erlen. I love him, I love him, I love him. Gott in Himmel. The Frau Professor stared at her with horrified surprise. She had thought it was no more than naughtiness on the child's part and innocent folly. But the passion in her voice revealed everything. Cassili looked at her for a moment with flaming eyes, and then with a shrug of her shoulders went out of the room. Frau Erlen kept the details of the interview to herself, and a day or two later altered the arrangement of the table. She asked her song if he would not come and sit at her end, and he, with his unfailing politeness, accepted with alacrity. Cassili took the change indifferently. But as if the discovery that the relations between them were known to the whole household made them more shameless, they made no secret now of their walks together, and every afternoon, quite openly, set out to wonder about the hills. It was plain that they did not care what was said of them. At last, even the placidity of Professor Erlen was moved, and he insisted that his wife should speak to the Chinaman. She took him aside in his turn and expostulated. He was ruining the girl's reputation. He was doing harm to the house. He must see how wrong and wicked his conduct was. But she was met with smiling denials. Her son did not know what she was talking about. He was not paying any attention to Fräulein Cassili. He never walked with her. It was all untrue, every word of it. Ah, Herr Sung, how can you say such things? You've been seen again and again. No, you're mistaken. It's untrue. He looked at her with an, un with an unceasing smile, which showed his even little white teeth. He was quite calm. He denied everything. He denied with bland effrontery. At last, the Frau Professor lost her temper and said the girl had confessed she loved him. He was not moved. 
he continued to smile. Nonsense, nonsense, it's all untrue. She could get nothing out of him. End of segment three. Chapter 30, Segment 4 The weather grew very bad. There was snow and frost. And then a thaw with a long succession of cheerless days, on which walking was a poor amusement. One evening, when Philip had just finished his German lesson with the Herr Professor, and was standing for a moment in the drawing room, talking to Frau Erlen, Anna came quickly in. "'Mama, where is Cassili?' she said. I suppose she's in her room. There's no light in it. The Frau Professor gave an exclamation, and then she looked at her daughter in dismay. The thought, which was in Anna's head, had flashed across hers. Ring for Emil, she said hoarsely. This was the stupid lout who waited at table and did most of the housework. He came in. Emil, go down to Herr Sung's room and enter without knocking. If anyone is there, say you came in to see about the stove. No sign of astonishment appeared on Emil's phlegmatic face. He went slowly downstairs. The Frau Professor and Anna left the door open and listened. Presently they heard Emil come up again, and they called him. Was anyone there? asked the Frau Professor. Yes, Herr Sung was there. Was he alone? The beginning of a cunning smile narrowed his mouth. No, Fräulein Cassili was there. Oh, it's disgraceful, cried the Frau Professor. Now he smiled broadly. Fräulein Cassili is there every evening. She spends hours at a time there. Frau Professor began to wring her hands. Oh, how abominable. But why didn't you tell me? It was no business of mine, he answered slowly, shrugging his shoulders. I suppose they paid you well. Go away! Go! He lurched clumsily to the door. They must go away, Mama, said Anna. And who is going to pay the rent? And the taxes are falling due. It's all very well for you to say they must go away. If they go away, I can't pay the bills. She turned to Philip with tears streaming down her face. Ah, Herr Carey, will you not say what you have heard? If Fräulein Forster... This was the Dutch spinster. If Fräulein Forster knew, she would leave at once. And if they all go, we must close the house. I cannot afford to keep it. Of course, I won't say anything. If she stays, I will not speak to her, said Anna. End of segment four. Chapter 30, Segment 5 That evening at supper, Fräulein Cassili, redder than usual, with the look of obstinacy on her face, took her place punctually. But Herr Sung did not appear, and for a while, Philip thought he was going to shirk the ordeal. At last he came, very smiling, his little eyes dancing with the apologies he made for his late arrival. He insisted, as usual, on pouring out the Frau Professor a glass of his Moselle, and he offered a glass to Fräulein Forster. The room was very hot, for the stove had been alight all day, and the window seldom opened. 
Emil blundered about, but succeeded somehow in serving everyone quickly and with order. The three old ladies sat in silence, visibly disapproving. The Frau Professor had scarcely recovered from her tears. Her husband was silent and depressed. Conversation languished. It seemed to Philip that there was something dreadful in that gathering which he had sat with so often. They looked different under the light of the two hanging lamps from what they had ever looked before. He was vaguely uneasy. Once he caught Cassili's eye, and he thought she looked at him with hatred and contempt. The room was stifling. It was as though the beastly passion of that pair troubled them all. There was a feeling of oriental depravity, a faint savor of joss-sticks, a mystery of hidden vices, seemed to make their breath heavy. Philip could feel the beating of the arteries in his forehead. He could not understand what strange emotion distracted him. He seemed to feel something infinitely attractive, and yet he was repelled and horrified. End of segment five. Chapter 30, Segment 6 For several days, things went on. The air was sickly with the unnatural passion which all felt about them, and the nerves of the little household seemed to grow exasperated. Only Herr Sung remained unaffected. He was no less smiling, affable and polite than he had been before. One could not tell whether his manner was a triumph of civilization or an expression of contempt on the part of the Oriental for the vanquished West. Cassili was flaunting and cynical. At last, even the Frau Professor could bear the position no longer. Suddenly, panic seized her. For Professor Erlen, with brutal frankness, had suggested the possible consequences of an intrigue which was now manifest to everyone, and she saw her good name in Heidelberg and the repute of her house ruined by a scandal which could not possibly be hidden. For some reason, blinded perhaps by her interests, this possibility had never occurred to her. And now, her wits muddled by a terrible fear, she could hardly be prevented from turning the girl out of the house at once. It was due to Anna's good sense that a cautious letter was written to her uncle in Berlin suggesting that Cassili should be taken away. But having made up her mind to lose the two lodgers, the Frau Professor could not resist the satisfaction of giving rein to the ill temper she had curbed for so long. She was free now to say anything she liked to Cassili. I have written to your uncle, Cassili, to take you away. I cannot have you in my house any longer. Her little round eye sparkled when she noticed the sudden whiteness of the girl's face. You're shameless. Shameless, she went on. She called her foul names. "'What did you say to my Uncle Heinrich?' "'Frau Professor,' the girl asked, "'suddenly falling from her attitude of flaunting independence. "'Oh, he'll tell you himself. "'I expect to get a letter from him tomorrow.' "'Next day, in order to make the humiliation more public, "'at supper she called down the table to Cassili. "'I've had a letter from your Uncle Cassili. "'You are to pack your things tonight.' and we will put you in the train tomorrow morning. He will meet you himself in Berlin at the Central Bonhof. Very good, Frau Professor. Herr Sung smiled in the Frau Professor's eyes and, notwithstanding her protests, insisted on pouring out a glass of wine for her. 
The Frau Professor ate her supper with a good appetite, but she had triumphed unwisely. Just before going to bed, she called the servant. Emil, if Fräulein Cassili's box is ready, you had better take it downstairs tonight. The porter will fetch it before breakfast. The servant went away and in a moment came back. Fräulein Cassili is not in her room, and her bag has gone. End of segment six. Chapter 30, Segment 7 With a cry, the Frau Professor hurried along. The box was on the floor, strapped and locked, but there was no bag, and neither hat nor cloak. The dressing table was empty. Breathing heavily, the Frau Professor ran downstairs to the Chinaman's rooms. She had not moved so quickly for twenty years, and Emil called out after her to beware she did not fall. She did not trouble to knock, but burst in. The rooms were empty. The luggage had gone, and the door into the garden, still open, showed how it had been got away. In an envelope on the table were notes for the money due on the month's board, and an approximate sum for extras. Groaning, suddenly overcome by her haste, the Frau Professor sank obesely onto a sofa. There could be no doubt. The pair had gone off together. Emil remained stolid, and unmoved. End of segment seven. <laughs>